Hi there. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Expanded Horizons, presented by Scania. I'm writer and journalist Lee Alexander, and thanks for joining me for this roundtable discussion. I join our experts to discuss the real effects and impact we think that automation could have on our society, and we discuss how we think we can maybe address some of those complex challenges too. Come on and dive in. Hi, my name is Jean Rose, and I work as a strategic project manager at Scania with a focus on entrepreneurship. Uh, besides Scania, I run a network for female entrepreneurs, empowering more women in business, and I also coach entrepreneurs. Hi, my name is Ada Paris. I'm a futurist, cultural innovator, board advisor, coach, and artist. I'm really interested in technology at the intersection of identity, culture, economics and ecosystems. My name is Hakan Schilt and I'm responsible for Scania's Autonomous Solutions Department. The reason why I work at Scania is because I want to transform the transport industry into that sustainable future. I thought it was really cool what you were saying before, the interesting difference that we need to draw between autonomous and automated. Yeah. Can you help us understand that? I think it's, um, I mean, automation has been around as a technology for many years and even in the vehicle industry, especially in uh, automated guided vehicles that we see in factories and in harbors, etc. But uh, a lot of that technology has, is, is rather stupid. Uh, it follows a GPS track or magnetic strip or something, and when there's an obstacle, it stops mm -hmm. and it calls for help. Now we're introducing the autonomous technology, which means that we, we introduce that, that intelligence, that whenever there's an obstacle, when there's something hindering it, fulfilling its mission, it will actually be able to solve that. How does it know? How does it work? Well, I mean, the technology has matured enough, or is maturing enough, in order to be able to, to make those decisions real time. And that's, that's what's happening right now. And that's why I think we're seeing so much uh, happening in the industry regarding autonomous vehicles, because all the various technologies, the, the camera, the computational power, etc., everything is maturing into that stage. And suddenly, the stars are aligned and it can start to happen and we can see the shift. But it's not just so, it's not just that all these different, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not just that all these different technologies are maturing, it's that they are now kind of able to, to share information in new ways, right? Yes, the different technologies becoming more sophisticated enables us to go back and kind of like revisit functions that we didn't know that the tech could have, yeah? Yep, mm -hmm. and we can start, we, we can start rethinking the way things are being done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the interesting part. And I mean, similar thing happened about 25, 30 years ago when we saw the introduction of digital cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not a new idea. Right. I mean, the, the, the first patents camera. came in the 70s, I think. I think even Kodak had some of the first patents. But when, they, when it was introduced in the early 90s, there was limitations in the battery. Mm -hmm. You could only take a couple of <laughs> pictures and then the battery was dead. Mm -hmm. And the resolution was really bad. The pixeling was enormous. And then the storage was also really bad. Mm -hmm. But then all of those technologies matured due to other 
tech, uh, other in, uh, industries, basically, mm. like the com uh, computers and mobile phones, etc., that drove technology into those technologies, mm. which then really enabled that shift into digital photography. Mm. And I think that's also what's happening right now. We, I mean, a lot of the computational power comes from the from the gaming industry. Mm. Uh, a lot of uh, companies are actually using uh, GPUs mm -hmm. from from yeah. the gaming industry. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the point that we were talking about earlier that it, you can't look at technology in isolation. Yeah. So it's old ideas, it's old problems, innovation, which is prob to me is problem solving. I know we, you know, I posed it earlier, that what is innovation, it's problem solving at its very finest. And now the technology, the digital technology has come of age yeah. that we can actually look at new ways of solving some of these. Mm -hmm. Do you find that this is the right time now? Because you're talking about we've done this before in a different way, but do you find that this is the right time and this is actually going to work now? It, it seems like the various technologies are converging now mm -hmm. and the stars are aligning. And, um, and there's so much effort, so much venture capital f mm -hmm. flowing into the industry. So I think the technology obstacles that's mm -hmm. been there, they are being overwhelmed. Uh, right now, so I've, I've, it's, it is happening. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of time before we can drive in a city, very complex, etc., uh, with people on board. Mm -hmm. That's the most fragile load we can have on board. But it's starting to happen. And Who do you think is driving this? Is it the technology is driving it, or is it the idea that the problem that is driving the, the desire to find new technologies? Yeah, I find it quite boring to drive an ordinary family car on the motorway. It's just transportation from A to B. If uh, driving can be really fun, but not in a family car, but rather a sports car on a country road. Yeah. Um, so I think that the problem, solving that problem of actually not being very it's not fun. It's, you're, not, you're not productive. You're not creating much value. You're just holding the steering wheel and following the car in front of you. So that, I think that problem has been a problem that's been around for, even from the horses, probably, uh, and, um, and challenging that. And I think that that's something that we spoke about earlier, is, that, is it the, the fact that the technology is driving the, the, the innovation, or is it that people are looking to solve a problem? Because it, Again, for me, it goes back to what is the purpose of transport? Yeah. It's not just getting people from A to B. And if you're just doing that in a dumb vehicle, mm. then that, it's solving a purpose. Mm. Yeah. But it's not actually solving a, a real problem that is bigger mm. than just going from here to there. You said, like, the problem is it's not fun, therefore let's automate this. And there's a way of looking at automation, I feel like, that is let's get rid of things that we hate doing and that don't add value to our lives. But, you know... Are there other ways of looking at this? Are we only going to be able to get rid of the boring tasks? What about the person who loves to drive on the motorway? How do we sort of account for the fact that, you know, maybe that's a challenge in the, in the business of automation work as well? Sure. I think every need, and, and there will be people driving uh, for a long period of time, if not forever. It could be a time where governments say, well, actually, humans are too dangerous <laughs> to drive, so humans are not allowed to drive. Mm. But I think that's quite far ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that also goes to the point earlier that who makes the decisions? Mm. Yeah, mm. true. Who is the one that decides that humans are too dangerous to drive and we're going to give it to automation? Mm. Mm. 
and where do those where do those boundaries lie and where does again it's the whole where do the ethics of all of that come into because this is an identity issue too like for some people driving is um you know freedom and it's autonomy and to other people it's drudgery and it's imprisonment it all just depends on you know who who's being asked yeah. and so i know you do you approach technology from an identity angle yourself um to what extent do you sort of see this conversation affecting the way that people understand themselves in relation to the rest of the world? Well, I suppose when I think about driving, it's, you know, people make a choice about the particular type of car they want. They want they to choose the routes that they're going. It's something about their own story of, I want to go, you know, I want to go on a road trip. <laughs> so I would love to go and do the Mongol rally, <laughs> you know, drive across the Mongolian mountains, I'm not a driver, mm. but I would love that experience of having that sense of freedom mm. that is something, the journey, the adventure is part of my story. If someone does the part you can't do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe that's where the automation comes from. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're onto something there. I think transportation gives you access yeah. mm -hmm. to places and yeah. people. And that's, that's, the, that's the problem to be solved. People want access mm. to the places and people. It's not on, transportation is just a mean yeah. of getting access to well, it. Much like technology is a means. It mm -hmm. is a yeah. means, yes. Because I think, medium. Yeah, yeah. going back to that, I actually, I'm one of those who actually like driving. <laughs> <laughs> I like driving a manual stick, like, all that kind of stuff. I, think, I, don't I, know. I, love, I love driving too, <laughs> but, but not the family not car. Not, not the family car on the motorway. No. I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, but I think that in that sense, like, you go, if you go back to like the actual problem and like innovation versus entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. if you're actually solving a problem, I think what you're talking about now is that I need to get to somewhere. Now, how do I get there? That's the problem that we need to solve mm -hmm. rather than I need to remove the driving aspect of it yeah. using automation. Yeah. Uh, so I would, yeah. And, and introducing autonomous is not about getting rid of the driving right. part of yeah. it. It's about being able not to have a driver-centric transport system, yeah. mm. but rather having a flow-centric mm transport system where you can create that access to places and people mm. that's what that's what transportation is all about and that's you need to walk many steps back mm -hmm. to the real problem and then see how can the new technology solve the key element mm. uh, of the problem mm. but isn't there also an element of um, not so much fear but the the fact that it's a, bit, it's a bit like the future of work. Yeah. That technology will, artificial intelligence will replace a certain repetitive aspect of that. Yes. And if most people in the Western world at least get their sense of potential yeah. through work mm -hmm. and that's taken out, mm -hmm. what's left? What yeah. do we call that? Yeah. Yeah. And how do we then ensure that people are still reaching that potential or that yeah. sense of enjoyment when we, t we automate and take some of that bit out? Mm. Yeah, if we're taking, the, if we're saying we'll, ha we'll have a less driver-centric culture, you know, obviously that we've solved one problem, but then now we have a new problem. Is like, what do people who work as drivers, uh, you know, where's their labor economy going to be, or where's theirs, and also the sense of purpose, which yeah. we were speaking about, um, important to identifying our relationship to this technology environment. Like, obviously, I'm sure you hear this question all the time. Like, aren't we trying to replace workers with robots? Um, but I always sort of had the theory that it doesn't necessarily eliminate the need for labor, but it changes the type of labor yeah. that is yeah. required. Do you think I'm being naive? No. no. I mean, I totally driver is just a pretty recent profession. Mm. If we talk automation on a bigger scope, mm -hmm. it's already happened in all the factories mm -hmm. and etc. So this is just another area where we will have automation, mm. which means that I think coming back to your point, I think creating 
humans can work with stuff that create more purpose. Mm. We, we are totally understaffed in the in in, in hospitals, in mm. schools, etc. More people can work in those with the social interactions because that's mm. where robotics and AI and automation doesn't come through. There's still a human element. Mm. Uh, and we and allow we can, people to do safer work too, as well, right? Sure. Like rather than being the machine themselves, they, you know, one can operate, understand, and, and repair the machine. Sure. Mm. But doesn't that then go back to education systems? Yeah, it does. Because if people have been, you know, traditional education systems have been in the past about we are training you for, towards this job, mm. and part of that is people measure have their own measures of success. Mm. In I, you know, three years in, two, you know, four years in, five years in, this is where I'm going to be. If, the salary, yeah, this, this achievement. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if all of that now changes, or is, I was going to say, has changed, it is changing, mm -hmm. where's the level of responsibility yeah. for the education system and the organisations? I think that there needs to be a collaboration yeah. between education and, and uh, organisations yeah. in setting expectations mm -hmm. for that. But I think I can, if I can use my own personal experience, yeah. I'm like a perfect example of that. I started off uh, studying business management mm -hmm. and I thought, okay, I've got my career all set out. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that after and, like my career ladder's done. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a management consultant. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the line, I was like, yeah, but I don't like this. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do these hours and like this is definitely not for me. Mm -hmm. And then just as you're saying, like the education system says, you're learning this, you're doing this for life. And then I'm like, but what do I do with my creativity mm -hmm. and all the other skills that I have and that a company could use? And then just finding that, how do I shift from this to this? Oh, yeah. And I think if you go back to like automation and all that kind of stuff, if we have robots or whatever you want to call it, doing that kind of thing so that people can actually use their skill sets yeah. to do the things they're good at and yeah. where they can actually contribute, I think that could be a real enabler. It goes back to your point, your question to me about identity, mm -hmm. because we are not just one thing. Mm -hmm. We have many different yeah. facets to who we are. Mm -hmm. And what I do with organisations is help them to recognise mm -hmm. that we, are, as, we as individuals have multiple personas. Yeah. I'm you know, an artist, I'm mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, I'm mm -hmm. a futurist, I'm all these different things. Yeah. So how do we enable people to bring those full different things, their, their full selves to whatever they're doing, because I think that that is a way of mitigating some of the fears and anxieties yeah. around yeah. the one thing that I think that I'm really good at, or the version of myself that I present in the office or in the environment, mm is no longer there. Mm -hmm. And then people suddenly go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah, they're finding, a, if you have more than one sort of sense of function, or if you have a, a holistic sense of what is your purpose and how it can be expressed in many different platforms and arenas, it's like the camera becoming better because of the phone and the personal computer. It's an individual becoming better because of access to new sectors. Yeah, yeah I think that's that's exactly how it can work. And yeah, we definitely, we definitely in the and, States and, and at that least. Come, that comes back a bit towards the, that finding your purpose because yeah. yes. you are not what you do anymore yeah just your your job yeah. your profession yeah. Yeah. you're more there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a bigger bigger picture yeah it's, 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 a, it's what's your story and what's your skill set and we have mm. this huge movement at least in the states about you know let's teach everybody to code but what about sh shouldn't we also teach ethics shouldn't we yeah, also yes, teach culture definitely. shouldn't we also teach identity because these are the places where you know code by itself without an understanding of sort of the ecosystem in which it's going to be deployed mm -hmm. you know that just sort of replicates more of the you know the the technology industry problems that i think a lot of us yeah. see can i come back to your point yes, about please. purpose yeah. because we 
also, what I'm also seeing is that we have become, as a society, become so focused on people finding their purpose, mm. yeah. which creates another level of anxiety because mm. people are saying, I don't know what my purpose is. Mm, yeah. And then they feel slightly less than yeah. because they're going, well, I don't know. And some people may have a purpose yeah. that is not financially lucrative. Like, yeah. we have, an, we have a, an internet economy now where people can generate their own content to, to bespoke audiences yeah. and earn revenue that way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it may not be an income. Yeah, everyone is a startup and, like, our conventional notions of how we assemble our income is changing because of new platforms and, and attendant economic constraints. It's just, so it's, a, it's an environment where I think people do have to be more flexible and collaborative than ever. But at the same time, I think we really need to also include everyone who don't find a purpose yes. immediately, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I think it comes into that social responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. We are creating, as an industry, we are creating a change in society. Mm -hmm. And we need to take part of that. Responsible change, have jobs for those people when their purpose yeah. changes and when their role changes. Yeah. And I think that's a different role where there needs to be that collaboration mm -hmm. between yeah. society, individuals and organizations mm. in order to make it happen. Because otherwise it might, the, the transformation that's coming could be rather disruptive. And I think that people need to understand that something being autonomous is not necessarily something to fear. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that is a wider societal media perception of what it is. Mm -hmm. Because when people see autonomous, I know my mother's 71, when she sees it, she's... A robot's she, going to yeah. do everything, <laughs> I mean, how can she, I trust them? She's in the supermarket <laughs> and she always goes to the tills where there's people, mm -hmm. where there's cashiers. Yeah. Because she said, I remember when you had people weighing the fruit and vegetables okay. and well, people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. But your grandma was probably terrified 100 years ago yeah. Yeah. when yeah. machines were introduced. Yeah, but I think that the media portrayal of sometimes the scaremongering, that the robots mm. are going to take over and mm. people are going to lose their jobs mm. and it's, you know, there's lots of talk around millennials being, mm. the, you know, the be-all and end-all. Mm -hmm. What about people who are already in careers, in different environments, who have years of experience, mm -hmm. what happens to them? Mm -hmm. I think that there's definitely a level of responsibility, mm -hmm. not just as an organisation, but as society, mm -hmm. to help people work out what's next for them. Yeah. And that may not be about purpose, yeah. necessarily at the beginning, but it's working out what's next for them. Where, how are their skills transferable? Yeah. I've gotten to see technology change so much in a short time. and like. Every person at every stage of that growth curve has a different story and has different expertise, and we all sort of were acclimatized on different technologies. Mm -hmm. And so we all have something to bring to that conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We also think that, uh, you know, we talk about technology and like automation, but I feel like a lot of the conversations are, it's gonna happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that this is a long time span. Yeah. It's happening, yes. but it's also gonna take time. And that on that journey, if we have the right designers and the people yeah. like designing it, having a human-centered perspective, they're gonna take account to mm -hmm. the fact that some people are like your grandma and don't wanna yeah. do it, but yeah. like, how can we help them? Yeah. Well, <laughs> your mom is totally right, and it's a normal human reaction. Because yeah. yeah. it creates, introducing, introducing new technology mm -hmm. creates creates a bit of uncertainty. Yeah. And when cars were introduced 100 years ago, you needed a person going in front of it, waving yeah. a flag. Yeah. And, you weren't, and you, weren't allowed, you weren't allowed to drive faster than a horse. Yeah. But then people realized that there's actually a brake yeah. on, 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 the, on the car. Yeah. Yeah. There's no brake on the horse. On the horse. <laughs> so maybe we can go slightly 
go faster. And I think uh, even here, here in England, in London, and, uh, it was celebrated when the, when the speed limitation was set free. There was oh. a rally from London to Brighton. <laughs> and still today, every year, they are celebrating going with really old cars to Brighton mm -hmm. uh, to celebrate the, the free speed limit. So mm -hmm. it, took, it took 10, maybe 15, 20 years in order to overcome that fear of the new technology. Mm. But it's, I suppose that's why you know, I was probably destined in some way to be a futurist because I love sci-fi. I used to look at, watch these shows, get totally absorbed in them and think, this is a way that they're introducing new ideas to us. Yeah. And when I used to say that to people, they say it's conspiracy theory. Mm. But actually there is, you know, again, the collaboration, there is this responsibility mm. for all sorts of organizations. To and, model and hypothesize. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and to do, you know, to create these narratives and these stories of how these are not necessarily always utopian futures or dystopian futures, but this is introducing technology. So if somebody, you know, they've got a tricorder, mobile phones. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different way of introducing these things to us and introducing the idea of automation yeah. can be done that way. And I think if, if we can imagine something, yeah. then at one point we're going to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. well, somebody mm -hmm. had to come up with the idea in the first place yeah. For yeah. and then to convince other people mm -hmm. that this is a good idea to put into this show. I mean, you're right on that storytelling is how we do that. You know, The Archers, the longest running yeah. radio program that, that we have here in the UK, it originally started as little skits to teach farmers about new innovations in farming so that when new stuff came to their town and new ways of doing farming and they would resist that cultural change or they would be they show these characters acting out what to do and how to deal with problems that would come up in a farming community and like now we use storytelling to teach it science fiction is how we learn about technology and how we prepare for those problems it's really interesting and I think that, that is a way that organizations and businesses can look at it's what's the what are the stories that they're telling mm -hmm. and who are those stories for because we as humans Everything that we do is storytelling mm -hmm. and ritual. Yes. We were talking about yeah. it earlier, yeah. that everything is storytelling and ritual. Getting into your car and, you know, driving from, to go and pick up the kids from school. Mm -hmm. You may have a favourite route or what have you. Mm -hmm. All of these things mm -hmm. are part of our narratives as humans. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that, forward to me, forward-thinking organisations are recognising that they're not just telling the story of the technology mm -hmm. or how it can make your life better, but it's also telling the story of everybody along that way, mm. everybody, every touch point along the whole system. It's really, when, when we define storytelling, it needs to be trustworthy. It yep. needs to be yes. credible. We're seeing it right now that's be, an issue. That's, yeah. a, that's a major issue. So when we talk about storytelling, it has to come from deep inside. It has mm. to be that, that person as an individual, but it also needs to be that organization. It needs to be something they really believe in, mm -hmm. not just something that's created and artificial. And it goes back to your point then, who's responsible for telling the stories and where, you know, you spoke earlier about respect and democracy. Mm. It, I, I see those coming into that as well. As you mentioned that for who yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really haven't touched upon now because we're telling, let's say in the UK or Sweden, mm -hmm. wherever you are, mm -hmm. we're telling the future for us in the Western yeah. society. But the future is not just for us. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's for so many different people. Yeah. And the future for me as a woman mm -hmm. is yeah. different yes. for the future <laughs> as a man. So yeah. I think that that would be interesting to Inclusion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there's a great book, I've forgotten who it's by, but it's called Who's Global Village? And actually, there was a great article um, in the conversation that talked about uh, how can we make decisions about human nature when 
the decisions are based on only 15% of the world. Mm. Yeah. And actually, we, when we start to think about transportation and automation, how would that be different in Africa? Mm. Or in, a, you know, in different or countries, different, who have very different cultures, very different relationships with transportation. Infrastructure, culture, yeah. community, the needs, yeah. where do they need to go and why? What are the challenges? It's a completely yeah. different... Um... And that comes back to access. I mean, to have access to places and people. Mm. And a lot of places don't have access to transportation today. Mm which means that they don't have access to places and people. Mm -hmm. So you go back to that village. I mean, I've seen uh, studies where they have introduced bikes mm -hmm. in some African villages. And then what happens when their local economy is then can then suddenly start to expand to the villages neighboring them mm -hmm. and how that just brings prosperity and yeah. welfare and education because suddenly a teacher and children can move along, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to recognize the fact that transportation is essential to mm -hmm. our society as it is today. Yeah. And not everyone has access yeah. to transportation. And that's part of introducing autonomous means mm -hmm. that it's possible to have transportation in places. And we can also, most likely it looks like, quite a drop in cost as well. So it, we, will, we will bring ac access to transportation to a lot more people. Mm. It's all in context yeah. of the cultural needs of that society mm -hmm. that has to be taken into consideration. Mm. Yeah. I think that's where technology is so good because you find that if you're solving a real problem, yeah. regardless of where you are in the world, you're actually doing something good or you can do you something can. good. Exactly. I've got a question for you. Do we even need transport? Yeah. Or, trans or transportation systems? Or transportation, yes. Mm. I think that's a really good question and we've been discussing that. I mean, are there zero transport solutions to those problems where we use transport today? Mm. And I think that's, that's always a topic we should consider. Can we do this without having to move people and goods? Mm -hmm. But what happens when we don't move people and goods? Yeah. Yep. Like with the human interaction and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's the danger of not having transport. Well, absolutely, and we might end up in a matrix world. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in, um, I, I think transport is bringing, as we talked before, it, it brings access to places and people mm -hmm. when we're talking about people transport. And when we're talking about goods transport, it's, uh, it's a lot of the supply of the necessities that we need. But I think we should question what we really need, because in reality, from a sustainability point of view, we are over-consuming. Yep. So that, what are the necessities that we actually need to transport? Mm. Uh, and then, and then what, what we also should have, can we do it in a better way? Can we do it in a more efficient way? And that's where autonomous comes in and it will be more efficient. It will be more uh, lean, there will be a better flow. There will be, maybe we don't have to, an automation in general. Today we are transporting all the resources to Asia for production, and then we're transporting it to, to Europe and the US for consumption. I'm generalizing, but, yeah. but that's a lot of transport today. And the reason why we are transporting it to Asia is due to the global production system has been searching for the cheapest labor. Mm. And now automation comes in and humans are not competitive anymore. So most likely production will move closer to consumption and that will reduce the, number, the level of transportation mm. that's required. Could you give an example of how you're doing it at Scania? 
in terms of looking at production and consumption and sustainability? Mm -hmm. We are introducing autonomous in our own production system. We will be, we are confident in the technology so that we can apply it to our own production system. That means that we will have a more efficient and better flow in our production system. And um, then we're also looking at other types of vehicle concepts because introducing autonomous and electrified and connected means that you can take those steps back and actually start asking the questions, why does a truck look like a truck today? Uh, why is a bus so long, etc. Because they are part of a driver-centric system. It is difficult to electrify a truck today, a 40-ton truck that has a driver that needs to drive four and a half hours due to the working time directive. Mm. That's a lot of energy in a battery, which means that you need, it's very tricky to electrify today. But once you remove the driver or the driving part, that constraint of having to drive as long as you're allowed to at very high speeds, you can start reshaping and redefining the way transport, the transport system is set up. Mm. And, and then you need different products. And I think the NXT that we showcased is a good example of thinking slightly out of the box. Mm. Mm. So I work with entrepreneurship at Scania. Uh, and also, like, my main purpose, if I can give my job as a purpose, is finding out how can we use the best of our talents mm -hmm. to find, to drive the future. And the future for us is the future of uh, sustainable transport. And I think when you talk about sustainability, we're used to talking about climate and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we're trying to shift even more into that sustainability has to do with people, yep. tech, and all the other aspects. And one of the initiatives that are kind of, like, coming out of the work that I'm doing is also looking at how are we using the things that we've already produced. We already, we already have loads of trucks, mm -hmm. we can't just get rid of them, but what we're doing, like these glasses are made out of, what was it, iPhone like glass, and like, how can we reuse things that we've already done, and also how does that affect the people around us, not just people in Sweden, but the people that we're affecting in Brazil, in China, and all the other industries that we're in. So like looking at sustainability from a broader perspective. So it becomes a global economic question, exactly. a conversation rather. Yeah, it does. Exactly. And I think that's an important aspect to consider as well. Mm. And taking that circular economy where you remanufacture and recycle, mm -hmm. etc. And when you close the circle mm. on everything. You're not actually just a, it's a more efficient energy loop. You create that efficiency internally and then you can build the same philosophies out to the places that you work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that everybody then has even more of a vested interest in that because it's not just impacting the commercialization of the business and future, the sustainability of the business, but also their own lives, their own, you know, I'm sure that many of your employees drive to work. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so there's technology that's impacting every single aspect of their lives. Yeah. And so that becomes, in some aspects, in some ways, quite a logistical nightmare because there are so many different touch points yeah. that people are impacting or are being impacted by tech yeah. and by your own technology and turning, creating those autonomous systems. There's plenty of food for thought there, and I hope you found that as thought-provoking as I did. You might also like my short story called Night of the Marauders, too. It's about a couple of adolescent friends who enjoy an evening of spooky tech pranks with their uncool babysitter, and it doesn't go quite as they expect. You can keep listening here or check out the Scania website to see the complete Expanded Horizons series where we have a collection of stories, films, and more big thinking. 
search scania.com slash future room.